Bird's Eye View is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find more podcasts like this at BaltimoreSportsReport.com. BaltimoreSportsReport.com. Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinion. Today is May 31st, 2016. Sorry, folks, it is a Tuesday. And this is episode 166. My name is Jake English, and I'm here, as always, riding on the coattails of Scott Magnus. If you're listening to my voice right now, you're most likely doing it at our website, which is, of course, birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. It's also possible that you found us on the Baltimore Sports Report Network, which is baltimoresportsreport.com slash network, and you can also find us on baseballtalkradio.com. You can also find the show on third-party platforms such as iTunes and Google Play Music. And please, if you do listen on either of those sources, please make sure that you rate and review this show. It is extremely helpful. You can find us all over on social media. While you're doing that, make sure you check us out on Instagram. That's the one I'm going to push this week. But you can most likely find us on Twitter, which where we tweet at BirdseyeViewBAL. And with that, Scotty, it's time for the most important uh, important part of the week. What is your drink of the week? Jake, I'm keeping a classic, wearing dark ages baseball terror here, terror here. So I went with the classic Orioles cocktail of Tanqueray and gin. We'll get to why that was classic with our special guest later on the show. All right. I am working my way through a National Bohemian six-pack. So I don't know if that's traditional or not, but... It's- it's traditional sure you drink it all the time so it's traditional <laughs> if you would like to share with us your drinks of the week please find us on an untapped i'm at jake e4025 and i'm at magn8606 and with that you want to go ahead and dive into the medical wing All right, let's get to the nuts and bolts of uh, the uh, medical wing this week. Really? I cannot believe you do that, Scott. I think that it is incredibly distasteful of everyone to make light of the serious injury that Caleb Joseph suffered. And until, until it came out that the team officially listed it as, in adult language, a testicular injury... I would have simply referred to it as a batted ball injury. Mm. Would you have now? All right. All right. So he got hit in the cup. He's going to be gone for two weeks. Can I break break a rule here? Do it. Can I put a tweet in here before we get to this week on the Twitter? It's unconventional, but I will allow it. All right. So this tweet comes from Brooke Joseph. Uh, That's Caleb Joseph's wife. And you can follow her at at BrooklynBabe89. Our family is so thankful for all of your prayers, thoughtfulness, and support. We love our community. At Utah Backstop, which of course is Caleb Joseph, hashtag protect the jewels, babe. Ooh, that's a great tweet. (laughs) It's a great tweet. It's a great use of the hashtag. Great use of the hashtag. I have to be honest with her. Yeah. Brooke. 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 I'm a big fan. Caleb Joseph is a a great dude. A great story. Really glad he's an Oriole. I have not been praying over his junk. Hmm. Can I break the rule again? Because <laughs> sure. I think I can, because it's my podcast. So uh, let's do it. This tweet comes from JT Guads. You can follow him at Guadzilla. He comments, "Hey, at Bird's Eye View Bal, Caleb Joseph had surgery for a testicular injury. He always says baby's got to eat. That may be the last baby." <laughs> We're, we're just going to turn this into uh, in, into like a ball poetry corner yeah. over here. Well, we kind of did the Jim Palmer ball poetry corner last week, so um, I don't think it's inappropriate. So, frankly, Caleb Joseph has given so much 
to us. We can basically make ball jokes for pretty much the next, you know, two to three weeks at least. So it looked brutal though. Watching it, whew. It, it it did look it did look pretty brutal. But um, as and spoiler alert, as a former catcher, yikes! That you you hate to watch that. Yeah. Uh, positive news: Giovanni Gardo is getting closer to returning, so he's going to go out and do at least two rehab starts. They're looking sometime mid June-ish for him to return potentially. I am a little confused. Yeah, you refer to that as positive news. Ah, uh, crap! You're right. Well, it's news. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, also on the uh, injury report here is JJ Hardy, who is one mere cat scan away from returning to quote unquote legitimate workouts so is that like ping pong or I, I don't think he's there for the agility training which is ping pongs i don't know what a legitimate workout i clearly i don't know what a legitimate workout is can i ask you a question what would happen if jj hardy has this like foot injury and then he comes back and he's actually faster than he was before the foot injury uh i'm not sure he will be faster however he will be sent more often by windmill windmill they'll be like he's perfect he's rested let's make this happen all right I think that's all that's going on in the medical wing. Can you think of anything else that's going on? No, except my heart hurts for the way the Orioles have been playing this week. Yeah. Let's go ahead and get to 140 characters or less on this week on the Twitter. I'll start it out this week. Uh, you know, this is, could be exciting to me. comes from Jim Palmer, at Jim22Palmer. Big week. My new book releases Wednesday. Watch for info. Do we have any idea what this book is? We we do. I, I was looking at it briefly, um, and I, I'm not that interested is the best way to describe it it's like 250 pages of him telling old stories um it's called jim palmer's nine innings to success a hall of famers approach to achieving excellence not pitching excellence just achieving excellence do you think that he would sign that book for you with the inscription tish i think that if he were to sign it to me there would be just a big old splooch stain directly in the cover uh, and we're back to ball jokes. Yes. All right. Next on the Twitters, I'm going to go to Camden Chat, uh, who, of course, tweets at Camden Chat, who tweets as follows. Free baseball is seldom cheap. 60th Ferengi rule of acquisition. Me like oh, you. That's a, that's a good pull. It's a good pull. Good pull. Jake, I was right. And someone validated me. This comes from Eddie Matz. Um, he is an ESPN senior writer. You can follow him at ESPN Eddie Matz, but eh, I really wouldn't suggest it. Brad Brock's 1.4 war leads all Major League Baseball relievers. That includes closers. Hashtag secret weapon. Hashtag Orioles. Not so secret now. Yeah. All right. Next one, Jake. All right. This is your Twitter spirit animal, but I'm going to steal it from you. Here's the thing. Uh, Jeff Sullivan who tweets at based underscore ball tweets, James Shields is now the active leader in career games with 10 plus runs allowed with five. But my question to you is this, Scott, doesn't that feel like a record that should belong to an Oriole? It, it definitely feels like it should belong to an Oriole. Rodrigo Lopez or um, Brian Mattis. Brian Mattis. Yeah, exactly. They're, it feels like somebody else should have this uh, this record. All right, last one. We're going to double back and dip out of the canon chat. Uh, vaults. This comes from, of course, at Canon Chat. Um, I paid money on six separate occasions to see Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Hashtag Jimenez Confessions. What? What? That is ridiculous, Scott. There is no excuse for something. You, you know what? As punishment, I say we further sully the reputation of whoever wrote that. Let's make this happen. As we so often do, we've brought somebody in to help us make sense of all this. And when it comes to Orioles baseball, who better than the grand poobah over at Camden Chat, Mark Brown, to make this make sense? It's a tough task. Things in the Orioles land are, are a little terse at the moment. Mark, how you doing? Gentlemen, I think you may be giving me a little bit too much credit if, I, if you think I can make sense of what's happening with the Orioles right now. Because uh, it's, it's kind of a mess, and I, I wish I knew why. Do you actually have the title of Grand Poobah over at Camden Chat, or is that just a title uh, that Jake inferred? You know inferred? what? I don't. I might have to take that now that you've bestowed it upon me. Um, previously, my my predecessor and 
friend uh, Stacy Folkemer called herself the Bowser of yes. Camp Chats. Uh, I, I, I kind of like the sound of Grand Poobah. I might have to go with that. It I'll comes with a really awesome hat, too. If you're, if you're the Grand Poobah, well, you I, get I a like great hats. hat. Is it nice and furry like a water buffalo? Absolutely. Okay, good. All right, so, Mark, I guess my first question I have to ask you is, what the heck is an Asher Tolliver, and what do we make of the bullpen situation with Asher Tolliver in it? Well, I tell you what he's not. He's <laughs> not Brian Mattis, and that is cause for celebration as far as I'm concerned. Except when he's not going against David Ortiz, I guess. Yeah, that part uh, was a little unfortunate, but hopefully it was just his one bad bad luck thing. So I don't know. He's probably just kind of a temporary placeholder uh, as a lefty in the bullpen. Kind of a great story, actually. One of those guys that had been grinding it out in the minor leagues for a long time and finally makes it at age 28, which, of course... Uh, you you know you, you're not old yourself if you're 28, but uh, if you're a baseball player and you have not made it to the big leagues yet, that's that's pretty old to be making it. So, with Tolliver making it into the bullpen, that's uh, that's two members of the 2009 draft that have made it to the big leagues, and they're in the bullpen right now. Michael Givens also being a second round pick in that same draft. At so. least this guy was supposed to be a pitcher. That's kind of nice. Tolliver was always supposed to be a pitcher. That's true. Now, was Tolliver the best pitcher available in the minor leagues, or was he simply the la- least worst pitcher who throws it with the funny-looking hand? I think, uh, I think I might have to fight you for calling left-handers their funny-looking hand, <laughs> I being a left-hander myself. But, I, uh, I am also a lefty. It's why I can say it. Weirdos. Okay, so so we, we can get we away can, with we that. Can call that. We can call one another that. Other people can't get away with it. Guys, i got to ask a question. You guys are both left-handers, right? True. Okay, so what happened in your development that didn't preclude you from being better than Brian Mattis? Are you really that much worse than Brian Mattis? I'm pretty sure that I, I could throw a 10.69 ERA in the major league level at, for some period. For- well, you know, uh, they tried to make me a catcher, which, of course, there are no left-handed catchers. So I, I was like also that's, a that's catcher. Mark, we are of, we are left-handed soulmates. It's probably a sign of my baseball talent that uh, that they were trying to make me a catcher. Because, uh, oh, and, and also, by the way, it was actually really grotesque because they didn't have a there wasn't a catcher's mitt for a lefty, so I was just using my regular glove. Uh, and also, being the nerd that I am, I wore glasses, and I had to wear the rec specs, and I had to have the <laughs> rec specs on, and the, uh, the, ca- the catcher's mask didn't fit over the rec specs, so it just kind of hung. So you're pulling off that whole like Chris Sable look back in the day. Yeah, but with a catcher's mask. Okay. So it was really, really a bad show, and that was the last year I played Little League at the end of my <laughs> baseball playing career, so... Uh, you know, those who can play baseball and those who can't blog, I guess. That's right. Those who those who can't uh, blog. So, uh, Tolliver. So, Rockabaka can't play baseball is what I'm hearing. <laughs> I wouldn't say that to his face. but uh, I wouldn't say it to his arms. Possibly, it's possibly the case. The next time I'm in the press box, I'm going up to Rock and saying, Mark Brown says you can't play baseball. He already, you know, he challenged a Camden Chatter commenter in, uh, a long time ago to a, a fight uh, in uh, it was. This was a long time ago. This is probably like 2009, but would not be the first time he had wanted to apparently punch someone on Camden Chat. Well, you guys have a reputation. It's sometimes a good reputation, sometimes it's infamous. So, but it's a reputation nonetheless. Let's. There's no such thing as bad press. But back to, back to Brian Mattis. Yeah, back to Brian Mattis. Mattis. So, so Asher Tolliver, I think your diagnosis that he was just the least bad person who throws it with his left hand is probably the case. Um, I think if there was anyone else they could have called up, they would have. Of course, T.J. McFarland was getting over his, uh, what was his leg injury that had him on the disabled list for a little while. It so. was a knee or something. Knee or something. Like they would say in hockey, it was a lower body injury, I'm pretty sure. No, I think Caleb Joseph was the one with the lower body injury. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. I was trying not to think about that, but yeah. now I'm hurting again. <laughs> Although the Orioles are figuratively giving us one of those injuries here uh tonight in the last couple games that, that, that that's a fair point so i guess my my second question for for this interview is this um this past weekend we saw buck once again mix up the lineup and magically pulled adam jones out of the hat first and said by gosh i guess he'll be my leadoff hitter going forward so definitely a weird incarnation in terms of the offensive lineup but also um kind of the shuffling around of putting the record to the bench and moving kim into the lineup and putting Reimold out there a little bit more often too what do you think about the whole lineup situation and the whole outfield situation being rotated around? 
Well, it's pretty bad even for a short term if your leadoff hitter has a 287 on base percentage, as Jones did going into uh, going into tonight's game. Well, I don't know when your people will be listening to it. Going into Tuesday's game, um, I mean, the, 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 of course, the Orioles don't have a prototypical leadoff hitter, which is not to keep crying over spilled milk, but it's why the whole Dexter Fowler saga just is like a continuing tragedy. Not only is he great, but even if he was just kind of good, he would have just been the perfect player for what the Orioles needed uh, as far as a hole on their team. So, you know, let's, uh, moving on from that, um, what to do about the lineup? You know, Buck was like, well, I kind of want to break up the guys who are striking out, which is really not your ideal situation to try to find a whole new team. Then you've got to uh, you've got to put the, one of the guys who is striking out uh, at the top of the lineup in Adam Jones. I don't know if that's like some kind of psychological warfare thing to try and get him to approach the game a little differently as the leadoff batter or what? Here's the thing. I think somebody lost a bet, but I'm not sure if it was Jones or if it was Showalter. Uh, I would believe it. I don't know what the bet might have been. It must have been something pretty bad to uh, to wager that because that's a pretty serious consequence to lose and then have Adam Jones be your leadoff hitter. To be fair, though, you know, I've watched Adam Jones for the past three games and again, very small sample size. But it certainly looks like his plate discipline has shifted a tiny bit. I mean, he's still the Adam Jones that we all know and love, but he, he definitely is paying a little bit more attention to, I guess, that outside ball at his feet um, is the best way to put it. Um, do you think that uh, a player can kind of shift, um, such a player like Adam Jones, can he shift plate discipline by saying, oh, I'm the leadoff hitter, I need to go to the, go at bats differently? I mean, if it was really that easy, you would think that there would be more lineup shifts of that nature. I, I suspect most players probably can't just because they probably are who they are. But, you know, maybe Jones is a guy who just needed to think about it a little more, and maybe it'll help him out. Uh, it is it is a small sample size, but I do kind of agree with you since he got uh, kicked to that spot. It does seem like he's maybe thinking about things a little differently, and I don't know. If I think it's like, because he's not blowing the bubble gum as much, so he's able to focus more. He's not so shallow in the batter's box. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's that's the whole thing. What do you think about the whole situation with Kim and Reimold getting more starts over Joey Rickard right now? I am happy to see it because I feel like the Joey Rickard magic has faded, and uh, it's time to it's time to really envision him as maybe what he was originally supposed to be, which was just kind of the fourth outfielder and uh he really well i mean you know he had a great spring so more power to him and that kind of forced him into well not really forced but it it put him into seeming like an ideal leadoff hitter um for a little while which as long as he was going to hit really well and be speedy that does make him seem like a good leadoff hitter but unfortunately uh going into tuesday's game he was sitting on a 664 ops so so what do I do with my new Joy Ricker jersey that I just got? Do I just put it to the side with like my Garrett Atkins jersey, or do I just hold on to it and just hold out hope that he's going to be better? Garrett? I would suggest what you can do is hold on to it for like 15 years uh-huh. and then randomly wear it to a game at Camden Yards, and then you can be the guy that whatever beat writer that night decides to make fun of the weird jersey in the crowd can uh, can make fun of you and say, hey, man, remember – Remember those two great weeks Joey Rickard had? Uh, I think and all what, the kids that like haven't even been born will be like, oh, who's Rickard? Yeah, who's Ricard? I think what you're supposed to do is the same thing that you're supposed to do if you're actually wearing a Joey Rickard jersey, which is to only wear it two or three times a week. <laughs> um, Otherwise, the pullover over right? the jersey. Right. Don't take it off. So it's a platoon jersey is what you're saying. That's what Maybe. I'm saying. Yeah. All right. Let me, let me ask you this, Mark. Um, the Orioles went down to Houston. And they struck out uh, more than you and I in high school combined, which is an impressive thing. Um, and so I ask you: How did you know that about me? You know, as a left hand, as a former left-handed catcher, I just knew. I just knew. You guys used to take it, is what you're saying. I was talking about the rec specs. Now that I think about it, that was probably a bit of a giveaway. All right. So the Orioles, the Orioles struck themselves out of Houston. Uh, they set a, a major league record. They angered me and caused me uh, a few more drinks of the week. I'm going to ask you this. Is this a cause for concern in that particular series, considering that the Orioles' poor play seems to be continuing on into this Boston series with a a short respite in Cleveland? Or do you think that was really more just a blip on the radar of a really, really bad series? I think the best thing we can hope is that maybe that was a little bit of regression to the mean, just uh, packing its way into 
one really, really bad series um, because I think we kind of knew, even the people that had some good expectations for this team this year probably kind of knew there were going to be a lot of strikeouts. So when early in the season when people were writing like, wow, the Orioles really aren't striking out very much, you kind of could suspect, you know, it's going to... That worm's going to turn a little bit. Yeah, it's kind of like when we were talking about starting pitchers not giving up home runs and being like, hey, you know what? Starting pitching's doing pretty decently lately. And then it decided to leave the building. And like you said— Then we get Kevin Gossman giving up three home runs in the first two innings. That didn't happen. It didn't happen. But Mark, I think you're absolutely right. It's regression to the mean. It's This is what was expected before the season, and it didn't play out to a certain aspect in April and for most of May, actually. And now you're starting to get back to that point. It's a question of how long does it stay for? And if it does stay uh, for the next month, um, well, this team is going to become that below 500 team that uh, was predicted by many experts, including ourselves. It wasn't. Is it going to be, is it going to be an anchor for a month? And I I don't know about that. Um, It's not regression to the mean though. It's regression to the absolutely cruel. That's the thing. You know, regression is, is one thing, but that's the pendulum swinging all the way in the other direction and sadness. Regression to the mean in, in the in large picture aspect. This is more like the pendulum going all the way to the one side, but overall, it's still equating back into the middle. Big About picture, Jake. what people would have expected going into the season. Right. We're getting there. All right. Uh, well, we, we've been dancing around this topic a little bit, and so... I need I need to ask you about the starting rotation. Oh dear God! Uh, and this this has a couple of different pieces. So uh, let's just start with the first one. I need a gut check. How good slash bad have Tyler Wilson and Mike Wright been in uh, the early goings here in 2016? Well, I I want to like those guys more than I think I'm going to end up liking them. Although honestly, I've I've never really been a much uh, had very high expectations for Mike Wright. Like, I, I, uh, uh, with apologies for quoting myself, I think I tweeted something about him last week, his last start, where I said something like, um, "Mike Wright is basically like Jake Arrieta without the upside." And, <laughs> like, I, like, I think about that when he, whenever he pitches, I'm just like, man, this is like watching Orioles Jake Arrieta without any expectation that he's ever going to turn it around. It's actually very true, and it's very wise of you to say that. Even the temper tantrums on the mound, to a certain regard, just scream Jake right. Arrieta. I mean, like even Arrieta, like never. You never like what did he do? There was that one start in Toronto like last year where he just started like punching the seat for no reason whatsoever when yeah. he was on the bench. And the camera caught it, and it was just like, dude, what are you doing? You're in the major leagues here. We, you know, don't do that. Yeah, that, that's what you're, you make your living on. You do not punch the, the seat in order to break your hand and, uh, and lose your career. It would be like slapping his glove in frustration or just like, you know, you can tell he's probably saying bad words. So, so do you feel like Tyler Wilson's a, a slight upgrade at best over Mike Wright, or you basically put them both on the meh payload? I kind of like the idea of Tyler Wilson as a guy who's kind of <laughs> so the, the narrative, so to speak. The, the idea, well, but not the execution. A, a pitcher, you know, uh, outperforms his stuff, so to speak. Did you see and, that Fangraphs article about Tyler Wilson having five pitches, and that means that he's going to be a great pitcher? I didn't see that the conclusion was he'd be a great pitcher, <laughs> but I did. I did see something about him having five pitches, which yeah. is a lot of pitches. I, I find myself pleasantly surprised at the end of almost every tyler wilson start and and here's the thing is that at the end of it not while i'm experiencing while i'm experiencing it's kind of like you're trying to make lemonade from lemons aren't you tonight no (laughs) most of the most of the the start that where i'm watching tyler wilson it's kind of like when you're trying not to vomit on a ride but then i get off the ride and i'm like you know what that was actually okay you look back at the number of runs he gives up and the number of innings that he pitched and you're like you know from our fifth starter I am all right with almost puking every fifth day. I, I, I mean, really, think about how he did in the Memorial Day game against the Red Sox. We got the Red Sox have jumped all over top prospect phenom Kevin Gossman, who's already <laughs> given up five runs. That didn't and, happen. You know, Wilson held them to uh, to three runs in six and two-thirds innings, which is that going to win you the Cy Young? No. But is that fine for your fifth starter? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that that's, that's, that's exactly the point, which is he's a fifth starter – at best, um, uh, the question is: What happens when Gallardo comes back? Um, which one goes down, to, or 
which one goes to the bullpen even, Tyler Wilson or Mike Wright. And if it's me, I like what I'm seeing on Tyler Wilson. I feel like Tyler Wilson gets deeper in the games. And I think to a certain regard, you know when Tyler Wilson gets through basically the third time through the order, it's about ready to pull the plug regardless of pitch count. Mike Wright is one of those players that feels like he can explode at any moment. Tommy goes boom. Yeah, he, he exactly. He's, it's, he's Tommy it's funny Hunter you bring 2.0. that up yeah. because I feel like Mike Wright's destiny may be to be the next Tommy Hunter, maybe without the uh, quite the interesting personality, so to speak. I don't think he can drink um, as much, so he's going to probably pick not. I don't yeah. know that anyone can. Um, all right, so when Gallardo comes back, you're thinking that Mike Wright either goes to the bullpen or takes the Norfolk shuttle. Well, that's what I would do. I don't know if that's what they're going to do. Well, what do you think about Abaldo and the Abaldo mania thing? You know, I know that everyone in Baltimore that doesn't have an understanding that you can't just, you know, send him down to the minor leagues is basically asking for his head. How have short you been of- reading our Facebook comments? Because uh, all those people are on our Facebook page. I, I, I'm very much aware. They don't go to your site, but they just comment on your Facebook <laughs> they page. They don't. They don't go to the site. <laughs> I don't know if they even know it's a blog. It's really weird. But anywho, yeah, I'm, I'm very much aware that everyone uh, that has intimate knowledge about the roster just says, you know, we should cut Abaldo and let somebody else eat his salary for us, which if that was the case, um, we should have done that with Brian Madison, not giving up our draft pick. But anywho, um, I, I, it's going to be interesting to see what the Orioles do with Abaldo if he continues to have this command issue that he's having. And not to mention, he's been getting hit um, at a pretty hard pace, too. I know his BABIP is up there, too, but... He's also been getting hit for pretty solid contact, too. I think his line drive percentage is like 24 25%. So uh, I don't know what to do with Abaldo besides just hope and pray that he gets better. But that's not generally a, a good way to go about dealing with a, a starting pitcher. Well, if you remember what happened in 2014 when he was really struggling is they put him on the disabled list with an ankle injury that they said uh, occurred when he stepped into a pothole and twisted his ankle when he was getting out of his car. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that Dan Duquette definitely jackhammered that pothole, but I have no proof that he didn't. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's looking into whether there is a jackhammer on the premises at, uh, at Oriole Park at Camden Yards, and if not, where he might acquire one. And, uh, and possibly uh, Abal- jackhammer another pothole. Abaldo, we're going to need you to walk through Pigtown for 12 hours. <laughs> Why? Just trust us just, on that. Just walk right down the middle <laughs> of the road. All right, Mark, here's the, the million-dollar question. It's all the uh, the entire ball of wax, so to speak. Uh, there are ups and downs in a season. Uh, some weeks we feel like our team is invincible. Um, if you're an Orioles fan, all weeks you feel like your team is the worst thing that's ever happened to baseball. What happens at the end of this season? How is it all going to shake out? Are, are the Orioles going through a rough stretch, or are the Orioles showing us who they are? I'm. I hope it's a rough stretch. Uh, I. I want to believe. Like I, I. I'm. I'm. I'm too smart to believe when I read these stories about Gallardo's rehab, and he's all like. Ah, you know, my shoulder feels better than ever. This is great. Like, I know better than to believe that. But right now I read that and, like, I need to believe it. Because if if Gallardo's going to come back and be bad, then it's just, like, that's going to be so depressing, man. Because they gave up their their number one draft pick to sign Gallardo. And I thought that seemed like a bad idea at the time. And it probably will end up being a bad idea. And I, Like, if, if he comes back and he's in the rotation, he's bad. Like, I just don't know. I need I need him to be better. And if he if he comes back and he's better, then you've kicked maybe you've kicked right out of the rotation. I still don't know what they're going to do with Obaldo, but maybe maybe four of your five starters are okay-ish or better. And I think uh, you know the Houston series strikeouts notwithstanding, I think the offense is going to be able to uh, score enough runs to overcome a starting rotation that is mostly okay-ish or better if not i know a left-handed catcher that could go in and uh hits for some pop hits for some pop as well yeah uh seriously from your lips to the baseball god's ears uh mark i have a confession for you okay. uh you know all of the facebook commenters that would say stupid things and not know about the blog there was a time that that was me see scotty is a reader from way back way back but I, I did not become a regular uh, Camden Chat reader until we started this stupid podcast of ours. Um, so I need you to to educate uh, me of the past and some of our listeners and tell us, what is a Camden Chat and what can we expect to find there? 
Well, Camden Chat is the Orioles blog on the SB Nation network. We actually have there's a blog for every team on the network. So if for some reason you're not an Orioles fan, you can uh, you can find your way to to any other team uh, for any sport, any major sport, in fact. But uh, our I like to think we offer the most both complete and fan oriented coverage of uh, of any of the the main blogs because we have basically anything you could want to read. We'll have all of the games you could hang out at during the game and uh, be miserable with all the rest of us at what the Orioles are doing or celebrate if they're actually doing something good. Uh, I like to think uh, we recap every game in an interesting way. In the morning, we have a little roundup of um, all of the news that's worth reading for the day, which you can totally read instead of doing work until your boss is walking by. Uh, I feel like that's most of our traffic is people that are reading us during their office job when their boss is not standing over their shoulder. Alt-tab. Alt-tab. Yep. Yeah. When there's news, you can get our reaction to it. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't think we go into hot take territory. Just, you know, what does it mean? And I, I try and think about that whenever there's news, and I try and share that with, uh, with the fans as well. Every now and again, you will get me starting a war with another team's fans. Um, Are you going to get out in a war with Over the Monster? No, I, I, I don't have – they don't hate me, but uh, the Royals blog uh, does hate me. I'll tell you what. The Over the Monster guys are not terrible. Um, the, Royals blog, the Royals SB Nation blog is absolutely um, hot garbage is the best way to describe it. I don't have anything against the guy who runs the Royals blog. I think, uh, I do, I think our, okay. our Orioles-Royals beef kind of – Colors some of the interactions that uh, some of the Royals fans have. Yeah, that's good stuff. So, uh, great coverage, great coverage over at Canon Chat. But the the really cool thing that I that again I discovered was that I, I feel like the readership also has a really great voice over there in a way that maybe it doesn't in some other blogs. I like to say. And of course, I'm very biased, but there's kind of the, the, the number one rule of the internet, or number, one of the number one rules is don't read the comments. But Camden Chat is not a place where that rule applies. Um, I started out, I was just a lowly commenter on there. Uh, as you know, if you follow my Twitter, uh, Eat More SK was my name before I went legit and became Mark Brown on the blog. And that was just, I was just a dude who came on there to start talking about the Orioles. And, uh, I've hung out on there for years, and before I was a writer, I was on there, and I've, I've really made some good friends uh, through commenting on there, and some of the commenters really are among my good friends. Like uh, my, my predecessor, Stacy Volkamer, is a very good friend of mine. I would have never met her if not for Camden Chat, and uh, it's, it's a really great community of people. Uh, we're not always talking about the Orioles, as in our, our bird droppings thread is kind of just the daily off-topic, just go and talk about whatever is on your mind, and there are many freewheeling conversations about things people have been watching on TV, movies they saw, music they were listening to, weird crap they saw on the internet. It's just, it's a little bit of everything, and uh, I, th- I think it's really a unique and fun place to hang out. Well, Mark, I think it's time for us to go to the bullpen and um, go to our next segment, but since the Orioles are losing and uh, we're going to go to a new relief pitcher, this is when we would play YMCA, right? No. No, we, we absolutely do not play YMCA when the Orioles are losing. That's uh, uh as people probably don't know, I have a very particular particular rules about when YMCA can and can't very strong play. opinions. Um which which probably goes back to me striking out with all the girls in high school as you as you revealed earlier. No, but uh it just for some reason it just seems like YMCA needs to be played in celebration. So the best time to cue it up is right when there's a mid inning pitching change. For the other team, right when the Orioles have either just rallied to tie the game or take the lead. And it's like, that, that's the time for just the maximum YMCA exuberance. And, and I wish that the Orioles would play it at those times and, and not at other times. Cause well, hopefully the Orioles can have some of those tying situations or go-ahead situations that we all love to hear. Because I think all of us in Birdland will love to hear a little bit more YMCA in order to keep together with Mark Brown's you know, tradition of when you're supposed to play it. So Mark over the course of recording this segment, they've gotten one run. So, you know, maybe they'll keep some more going uh, after I get off. Might be seeing some wise MCA. All right, Mark, 
We appreciate you coming on the show to talk to us. Everyone check out candonchat.com. At EatMoreSK on the Twitters. Is that at correct? EatMoreSK. That's my personal Twitter. Yep. You can also follow at CamdenChat uh, to get all of our site articles. They all get auto-tweeted. And if you're really brave, you can even go to Facebook.com slash CamdenChat and see what I'm talking about with those people. But you, you don't want to comment on the Facebook page. Uh, do comment on CamdenChat.com. We're very friendly. Uh, the, the crazies and the... Uh, People with bad opinions are on the Facebook page, but the site itself is pretty clean. Go get your comments greened, everybody. All right, Marks, thanks so much for coming on the show. We look forward to talking to you in the future with some YMCA in the background. Yeah, hopefully we have better news to talk about the next time I talk to you guys. But thanks for having me on again. Go Orioles. Monday's 135 game on Memorial Day was a nice throwback day at the park. A wonderful throwback game to remind us of what it was like to watch games during the dark period. The opposing fans were present. They were loud and at most times unpleasant. Scott suffered through the game in person. I dealt with the evidence on television and on radio. Look, it was ugly. It was unpleasant. It sucks. We all know it. But what can we do about it? Scotty, I think it's time for a few modest proposals on how to deal with the cockroaches that visit Camden Yards. Okay. Just hear me out on this one. Uh, The first one is this, and that is GoFundMe or some other social fundraising uh, website. Here's the idea. I want to start some sort of uh, donation site to uh, set up a fund to buy as many Orioles tickets as possible at Fenway Park in 2017. You see, if we raise enough money, we'll buy out tickets and transportation and just give the tickets away to Orioles fans with the stipulation that they must actually attend the game. And hey, you know, it's all pie in the sky, so if we don't raise enough money or if we run into some uh, potential legal hurdles, we just donate the money to Orioles Reach. Everybody wins, right? Right? All right. I see several flaws in this in this proposal. All right. The real losers here are, of course, everyone. And the problem here is that the Red Sox fans in Boston are actually pretty nice. I mean, we talked about this when I went up to Boston, but when you hear opposing fans say they went to Fenway to watch a game, they almost, without exception, say that they have nothing bad to say about the local Boston fans or the treatment that they received, right? Um, honestly, I was there at, at the game where Abaldo Jimenez got tossed for uh, hitting somebody in the fourth inning with with no history and got and got tossed, and the Boston fans were just as confused and upset as I was. Similarly, though, the the fans of Cannon Yards who cause trouble are not usually from New England. I've had really good experiences with folks from New England who circle the Baltimore games on their schedule every year because they love the park, love the city, and make a weekend out of it. And to those people, I say, good, bravo. Please come back and bring more like-minded friends. But the troublemakers out there are the transplants and the bandwagoners. You hear the Baltimoreans talk all the time about how their Orioles fandom in New York is a vehicle through which they can channel their their otherness, right? The way they maintain a connection to home. That, like so much else in life, can be channeled in either a positive or a negative way. And the pink hatters who walk through our doors make going to Orioles games with them miserable experiences. So I think you're right, Scotty. I don't want to do that. I don't want it to be any part of some Boston family showing up to the park only to feel unwelcome, hassled, or, God forbid, even unsafe in their own ballpark. I don't want some boozed-up section of Orioles fans trying to make good on a decade of abuses at Cannon Yards making the rest of us look like jerks. In short, it would make us no better. All right, so the first one is a, is a, is a crapper. That, that's not going to work. What else can we do? I don't know. What other proposals do you have? Well, the only one I have is when it comes to things like this. Remember, I went to Catholic school. Yeah. So I'm all about the shame. Oh, yes. I think public shaming is the best way to go if we can't stoop to their level. I'm um, sure you got a Jewish boy in you, too, in college. So, 
<laughs> I did go to American University. <laughs> if we cannot stoop to their level, perhaps we can make it less easy on them while they're here. For instance, uh, during college, I used to card Red Sox fans mm. and ask them what part of New England they're from. Um, and that at that point, I'd usually get some story that justified their Red Sox fandom in a way that didn't come out and say, I decided to pack it in as an Orioles fan and support a frontrunner. But my question to you is, is this, Scotty. What about signs? Mm. You know the signs that people bring to the ballpark. Sure. You know, please hit a home run on my home run or my birthday. Or, you know, uh, during the 2012 uh, playoffs, I made a sign that said bird is the word. It was, you know, yeah, it was really nicely done for, you know, my camp arts and crafts. But what if we made signs that said things like. Wait, your daughter didn't make that? No. Oh, okay. That's... What, what if we made signs that said something like Baltimore, where Red Sox fans go to act like jerks? Or mass holes not welcome or the guy sitting next to me is a pink hatter does that have any legs it it does but again it doesn't quiet them is the best way to describe it which is what no the orioles winning would quiet them but i have no control over that right right so i i understand the sign thing Eh, it's it's okay but yeah it does it the question is are they really going to read it all right. Well, they can't read. That's for sure. Okay. Fine. Scott, fine. I'm picking up what you're laying down. All of my ideas are crap. But I'm the only one bringing ideas here. All right? I want actual proposals for how to fix this infestation problem at Camden Yards. Look at you all smug over there, Scotty. What do you bring to the table? I think there's only really one option in, in all reality. I think we just need to go out, all out war on them. It's as simple as that. What? All out war. I think we just need to, you know, Take the hatchet out, and I think we just need to lay it down on them. I'm just tired of this aspect of just saying, oh, it's okay. Let them be nice. We're going to be the best fans on earth. We're going to let them come into our stadium and just allow them to basically drown out our sorrows. Look, I'm part of this whole aspect of this generation of allowing Yankees fans to basically take away take away playoff games from me. Do we really want a world filled of Jeffrey Mayers? Do we want a bunch of Jake, so-called a-holes ruining our stadium experience. I certainly don't. You certainly don't. What we need is someone to come out and basically level all these people. We need a commander. We need a general who could do this. So I've been giving it a lot of thought. Who could lead the troops at Camden Yards? Who could dismay and destroy Red Sox nation morale? So there's one person I thought that could fit this job. One person that's certainly looking for a job right now because, well, he's really kind of got no work going on right now. Robert Andino needs to be hired by the Baltimore Orioles fan to be the general of our army. He needs to come by, rally the troops, and put down Red Sox Nation. And, you know, we are going to lose good people in the fight. But when you look down at that person that fell in battle, serving next to you, By God, you'll reach down into their guts, and you'll feel it, and you'll punch Red Sox Nation in the face. Robert Andino, lead us back into greatness. You're the only one who can. Here's to you, Robert Andino. I think this may be my favorite thing that's (laughs) happened in this podcast. But seriously, I, I, I think we're all completely tired at this point of having to deal with um, Northern Virginia's finest is the best way to describe it. And I, I guess it comes back to the question of at, at what point um, is it acceptable to be a transplant to a certain regard and and still root for that team? And I've raised the question multiple times. I'm like, hey, you know, where are you from? And they're like, oh, I'm from Arlington. And it's like, oh, that's great. You know, um, I didn't see a lot of you guys come up last year when you guys were out of it. Like, where were you last year? And they're like, Oh, you know, we couldn't get up here because we were doing something else. I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, but you love the stadium, right? And you love your team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, why aren't you willing to come up and support that team when they're losing? Oh, well, you know, things come up and stuff like that. And it's that kind of attitude and, you know, bandwagon aspect. And it's not just about the aspect of trend, you know, you know, it's okay if you move to Northern Virginia and you come, you know, come up and see your team. I have no issue with that. Yeah, but I, I usually try not to go across the river without my shots. It's true. My issue with it mainly is if I'm going into a visiting ballpark, and you know, I've been to many ballparks, I will not go and start a chant up in another person's ballpark. I'll sit there, 
mindful of the game. I will check, clap and cheer when something happens, but I will not get up hooting and hollering and starting a chant of, you know, let's go Orioles, let's go Orioles. Because in reality, it's kind of a dick move is the best way to describe it. Yeah, that's the thing I don't understand. Look, go and support your team. Love your team. That's awesome. Don't be a dick. Yeah. It's just not that hard. It's just not that hard not to be awful. This comes back to the same situation we ran into during the 2014 ALCS. We had a Royals fan that was sitting in front of us. And honestly, we actually had some pretty decent conversations with him. And then all of a sudden, he his team takes the lead, and he immediately calls for a bulk. And it's like, what the heck are you doing? Like, do you realize what, if, like, if I were, if my team went ahead in an ALCS game on the road... I would be absolutely quiet because I would not want to be like, I am not going to be messing with anybody here because I can literally get killed at this moment. How am I going to get out of the stadium right. alive? How, to, can, how can we be the city of the wire and have people comfortable coming in and starting crap with us? That's the question I would raise to a certain regard, actually, is how do you feel that comfortable? And again, I think it's this whole like aspect of Southern hospitality and like, oh, we'll treat you nicely. But there has to be some – you've got to tip your cap a little bit to, you know – the bleacher section at Yankee Stadium to a certain regard of being like, hey, if you come out here and stir up shit, you're going to get up, basically. So um, I don't know. I don't know what to do about it. I understand not wanting to stoop to the level, Jake. But eventually you have to say something, right? Oh, absolutely. So again, one of the stories that I posted on Twitter was I was doing a chant um, during the game, um, and I was going, P-E-D. P-E-D, P-E-D, when David Ortiz came up. And uh, an usher came and talked to me about this. An, an usher at Camden Yards? An usher at Camden Yards. Came to you, decked out in Orioles gear. Yeah, he was decked, well, I mean, he was decked out. In, no, like, you were decked out. I was decked out in Orioles gear. But yeah, he came to me and said, sir, can I come talk to you for a second? And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll come come down and talk. And he's like, you were getting complaints that you've been harassing people with some of the language you're using. And I'm like, well, I don't know what language I've been using. I said, I was you know, booing the Boston Red Sox. And they're like, yeah, we would appreciate if you would uh, keep that down to a certain regard, which again, that's the kind of stuff that bothers the heck out of me because, you know, I understand to a certain regard, you know, we had a, I've had a conversation about this with multiple people. You shouldn't boo for another team or something like that, but I have no issues with this. That's the way I like to cheer. So what's even worse is I got called down by the usher and the woman that was in front of me that was with her family, who again was a Red Sox fan, turned around to my wife and mentioned saying, you know, a person like that's never going to change. You should really leave them. <laughs> and again, it's this arrogance and a-holish nature of like, you have no clue what you're talking about. What are you talking about? Your daughter is decked out, decked out in a David Ortiz jersey, and you're talking to me about class and morale. Yeah. In my stadium. Yeah. Go back to Northern Virginia. So I reiterate, Robert Andino, please come and save us. Please take us to war. And let's kick some butt. And if I'm too much of a wimp to do it, maybe somebody else should start the GoFundMe for the 2017. I don't know what kind of funds that would take, but it certainly would be amusing. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, let's get into, I, I guess, somewhat happy aspect. Let's go through and see who won this week in Fantasy Boss. Well, I'm happy. I'm not. Is it worth explaining the music? Because I feel like last year or maybe two years ago it was painfully evident. But for new listeners, basically, you can tell who won Fantasy Boss by the opening uh, opening number. Because uh, for me, the uh, Brian Setzer, Gwen Stefani version is the definitive version of this song. Um, I mixed up this year. I went with B.B. King as opposed to Elvis Presley in the previous years. But... Uh... Well, your, your opinion is that any other version is the definitive version, correct? I, I, I do like Gwen Stefani and Brian Setzer, um, but I like Gwen Stefani in, in other aspects is the best way to describe Jeez. it. 
I did ask for that. That's yeah. my fault. All right, so what happened this week? So extra base hits was the category. You went with Manny Machado, who had four doubles and one home run. I went with Chris Davis, who only had three doubles. So you win this week five to three. Uh, kind of struggling this week in terms of figuring out a category. So I'm going to go with this. In uh, kind of an honor tradition to uh, this past week where the Orioles struck out a lot, um, I think we're going to go with which player is going to have the highest K percentage this week for the Baltimore Orioles. You want me to pick the person who's going to strike out the most percentage-wise? Yes. Oh, come on, dude. <laughs> um all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a bold strategy here. Okay, I'm gonna take uh, a player who I expect to get less time at the plate. Oh, okay, fewer at bats. Yeah, therefore every single strikeout will matter. I like it. I'm gonna go with Kim. Oh, okay. He hasn't been striking out that badly, but he, he has th- not. But I think you the, think that book's out on him now. I, I, well, I think the number of at bats plays against him. Okay. Well, I'm going to have to go Chris Davis because he's an absolute admired slump and it looks like he's swinging and hacking at everything. So Chris Davis, K percentage. Enjoy playing your version of the music next yeah, week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. We will determine who will own it. And uh, with that, I'm feeling like Chris Davis may be coming up again in the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's right, folks. It's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm going to start it off this week. Just give Jake a chance to yeah, maybe make a rant or two. Uh, my good for this week, of course, is going to have to go to Hunsu Kim, who finally cracked into that lineup and has been taking advantage of it, too. If you didn't get overly excited when Hunsu Kim hit that home run, I'm pretty sure you don't have a soul. So, uh, Hunsu Kim... You get the good for the week. It may be only good for the rest of the season, but you get the good for the week. Did you catch the the Korean call of the game? Yes, it did. That was pretty awesome. It was pretty good, yeah. All right, Jake, go ahead. My good for the week is CBS Radio. Oh, okay. Uh, many of you probably didn't hear about this, but for those of you who did, uh, just just follow along here. Uh, we received a couple of tweets this week letting us know that one of the radio, local radio stations here run by CBS had started using Bird's Eye View as a segment name for uh, basically their, their This Week in Orioles baseball. Um, so we reached out to the particular radio station in question, and I have to say they could not have been better about it. Everybody we talked to was just amazing. Uh, we ended up getting uh, some communication back from CBS Legal in New York, um, and we did come out with the right answer. Um, and CBS uh, said that they would go ahead and, and find another name for the segment. But they're good this week because, again, everybody we talked to could have been a jerk about it. And instead, what they were was incredibly gracious. And so I just want to tip my cap and say to CBS Radio, thanks very much for having an open dialogue about the subject. And, and more importantly, for coming to the uh, what I believe is the, the correct the response. The right decision. All right. So my bad for the week is going to go to Chris Davis, mainly for that strikeout number that he's been putting up. Jake, uh, in terms of this week only, he had a 45.5K percentage this week, which is absolutely gosh awful. Um, gosh awful. That's strong language coming from you, Scott Maggie. Gosh awful. Um, and, and even a 51 rated runs created plus for a, a player that historically has been at 120. Chris Davis is definitely mired in a slump and not seeing the ball whatsoever. So Chris Davis gets my bad for the week. All right. For my bad this week, I'm going to continue to beat the drum. I am sick of the Memorial Day and the Fourth uh, of July uniforms that use the the camo and the military imagery to sell jerseys when that is not what the day is about. When we think about what Memorial Day should be, it should be a day to honor those who have made the ultimate sacrifice. You know, we overuse, I think, the word heroes in this country, and there is no better way to... Um, to cheapen that any further than selling jerseys and hats um, that are designed mainly to take advantage of our sentimentality and, frankly, are hideous. So for this week, my bad goes to the Memorial Day MLB uniforms. All right, so my ugly for the week, it's obvious. It's got to go to Red Sox Nation, who is an absolute abhorrent uh, cancer on all of civilization. Uh, keep up the good work, and um, yeah, I hope your city burns to the ground. Wow. 
All right, my ugly for this week is the return of the Dark Ages, and I hope it's brief, but follow me on this one, if you will. The defining uh, characteristic of the Dark Ages was not the losing, though it was the characteristic that bound the time together. The defining characteristic of the Dark Ages in Baltimore, and when we say that, we of course mean 1998 to 2011, is that you could predict what was going to happen at any given time in the game, and that the game would follow that script. And starting with the series in Houston and moving right forward here to the series in Boston, we're really finding ourselves in that position where you can ask yourself, what's the most demoralizing thing that would happen here? And then it happens. When the Orioles were busy striking themselves out of um, Houston, you know, you would get to the point where the Orioles would lo- would load the bases and have the chance to get back into the game or take the lead in the game, and the player would come to the plate and you'd say, nah, I don't need to worry about this. He's just going to strike out. And, of course, that's exactly what would happen. I'm tired of seeing games that feel over before they've barely begun. So my ugly for this week is the return of Dark Ages baseball. This has been a very short period of time. I would like it to remain a short period of time. The Orioles need to get back on track and start playing some more competitive ball. You done there? I'm done. All right. I'm going to go ahead and blow the save this week. All right, so Jake just railed about the aspect of Dark Ages of Orioles baseball, but frankly, I don't think it's as bad as what we're all making out of the... Yeah, the Red Sox series looks, well, pretty hopeless is the best way to describe it. But let's put something in perspective here. The Red Sox are probably the second best team of all Major League Baseball right behind the Chicago Cubs. And to be fair, the Boston Red Sox were predicted to be one of the best teams in baseball coming into the season. This is a highly talented team that has to a certain aspect, underachieved for the past few seasons. So uh, to a certain aspect, I'm not surprised that they're doing as well as they are doing at this time. That being said, the Baltimore Orioles have won two out of their last three series. And I understand that the Astros series was an absolute train wreck. But you have to tip your cap sometimes to teams that are playing out of their mind. And the Astros pitchers had an excellent three games where you know they had phenomenal vertical movement. And yes, the Orioles did swing at some absolutely abhorred pitches. But in terms of the pitching staff, the pitching staff did a great job in terms of getting vertical movement. And you've got to tip your cap to the bullpen um, who pitched out of their mind for the Houston Astros. And they were, what, the 13th-ranked team in American League in terms of bullpen. The Red Sox are the Red Sox. They are just a really good team. Mookie Betts, um, and even to a certain aspect, David Ortiz right now, is absolutely on fuego right now. Everyone knew this coming into the series. However, the Orioles are going to need to take advantage of series in the future, such as the New York Yankees, who are not playing that well. And they need to hope that the Kansas City Royals, to a certain regard, fall off the cliff and go back to their 500 ways. I don't know if it's going to happen, But the Orioles are in one of their toughest stretches here. Anyone looked at this schedule, looked at this three series and said, that's going to be a tough patch to get through. If the Orioles can go 500 for this series, I'm sorry, sorry, for this home series, I'm going to take that away as a victory. I understand that people don't want to hear that. I know people are going to say, oh, we need to be like 600, 700 home. But you're going to go through these ups and you're going to go through these downs. Like we talked at the beginning of the season, The Orioles won a lot of games to start this season, which gave them leverage. And I'm going to come back to the fact of the matter is the Orioles are probably still not the best team in this division. But if the Orioles can get to October and be a wild card team, anything can happen in October. We saw it in 2014 with the Kansas City Royals, who no one in their right mind would have picked to win the world, picked to be the American League pennant winner. Let the season play out. Bad stretches like this happen, but the Orioles have enough talent where they could easily spring back and be a playoff team. See, we talked about this off mic, and so I'll, I'll bring it up again. It just sucks that the Orioles are, are going through a rough stretch, and it happens to coincide with the sequence in the schedule where they're playing one of the best teams in baseball. Right. But my question to you is actually this. Sure. How is it that you are the positive poly and I am grumpy cat? How did that happen? 
would you like me to explain to you? Yeah. Lots of gin. <laughs> lots and lots of gin. All right, Jake. We got the rest of the Red Sox series coming up. Woohoo. And then we got the Yankees coming in and then the Royals next week. Yippee. Kaye. I would just like to see some more competitive ball, please. Well, we'll see. It'd be nice just to see some home runs and maybe score more than five runs in a game. Dongs after dark. Yep. With that, Baltimore and beyond, I have nothing else for you, so I will bid you all a fond adieu adieu. Good night out there, Baltimore. Be safe out there. And let's go O's. Yes, please. Go O's. Please. Go. 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 Score runs. How do you like them apples? You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.